Ah, well, it's great to be in the house this morning with you and great to see a number of uh, old friends and guests that I haven't seen for some time with us this morning. And uh, there's nothing like being in the house, but also if you are with us online and watching, welcome and great to have you this morning. Uh, We're going to talk about spiritual gifts for the next two weeks. Uh, an area of the church that often gets quite confused and obsessed with, to be honest, uh, when you look at uh, how Christians have acted around these things over the years. And so, as Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 12, Now the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed about it. You know that when you were pagan, somehow you were otherwise influenced and led astray to mute idols. And therefore, I want to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God can say, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord. And then in verse 7, he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing that are by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Let me pray. Father, I would ask that this uh, spirit that Paul talks about, the one who teaches us, the one that grows us and shapes us, the Holy Spirit, you would do your work amongst us now as we hear your word. Move amongst us. Bring us into a fresh view of what you have given to us this morning, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed that superhero films are so hot right now? Uh, maybe some of you have got uh, just, uh, you're just obsessed with them. Uh, like the Ramirez family, uh, so part of our Northside family, just love all things superheroes. Maybe you've got kids or grandkids that are into superhero stuff. Maybe you grew up with the superhero stuff because Superman and the rest of it and those comics, the comics that were around from the 50s and the 60s, uh, it was just... They're big, right? It's a billion-dollar industry of people like this, people I can quite relate to in so many different ways, particular Mr. Hemsworth there. <laughs> and what I love about superhero movies is the, the, the principle is this, that in every superhero movie there is ordinary people that somehow come to discover that they've been bestowed upon them a gift, if you were that is only ever fully effective and only ever fully as powerful as it can be if it's used uh, in a sort of body, if it were, a group of people, a community, if it were, in order to save the world from all sorts of evil. Sounding familiar? Christians? Because we've come off the back of Easter and we recognise in Easter that, yes, Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, that Jesus lived, breathed, died, he was buried, uh, he, he comes back out three days later and Jesus bestows gifts upon his people in Acts chapter 1. Uh, he, he says, go out into all of the world, go out with all of, all of this power that I give to you, but wait until I bestow these gifts upon you. In other words, the church is meant to be and was the original Avengers. Right? And I'm sure that's how all of you thought you were this morning when you walked up as you were putting on all of your superhero clothes. 
Um, but isn't this, have you ever found that itching in and of yourself? Particularly, may, so you may need to uh, think back a few more years than yesterday or last year, but did you ever have that itch within yourself? Maybe that, that childlike itch in those times when you would play princes or princesses in which you itched and sensed that you were built for something more. That this world's not all there is. That there seems to be an adventure in you that is just bigger than yourself. And do you still live with it? Have you forgotten it? Have you written it off to just childish adolescent ways? Or maybe the other end of the spectrum, you come to recognise that there's a certain way that you have been built. For me, it was far more practical. It was my last day uh, at Lend-Lease, where I'd worked there for a number of years in finance and accounting, and my boss came up to me uh, in uh, a state, let's just say, uh, when we were hanging out there at the basement at my farewell. He came up to him in a state that was a little more willing to tell the truth. If I could put the put his state like that way. He's a little more willing to tell the truth at 11, 11.30 at night. And he came up and he put his arm around me and he said, Sam, Sam, mate, you are a crap accountant. <laughs> he said, you, you should be doing something more with your life. Like, I don't know, like that Tony Robbins guy where you just get up and you talk to people. And I think it was at that moment, maybe it was a prophetic word from Balaam's donkey. Uh, maybe if, if you know that reference, it was a prophetic word into my life that there was a sense in which there's a sweet spot within me. There's something that God has gifted me as a person that is, is how I am built. That of course I can choose to be an accountant, but maybe doing what we're doing this morning is a little more aligned to these gifts that God has given me. The reality is that the church is the original Avengers. Jesus has bestowed these gifts upon us. And in, in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, Now, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. Uh, wouldn't you love to have Paul as your pastor? He just opens up and he says, Brothers and sisters, like, don't be idiots. That's what, that's what he's saying. Don't be silly because there was all sorts of controversy happening and squabbling around these spiritual gifts. People worried about who had what and who did what and theirs looks flashy and theirs looks really cool and I've just got an ordinary looking gift and I don't even know if I've got a gift. And that's what Paul was getting at where, where almost 50 years after Jesus has been raised from the dead, everyone's arguing about this stuff. And, and, and it's in these times that maybe um, the, the words of that John would write a little bit later on. He says, I tell you the truth, as Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What's really happening here is it's just something happening within the church and Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going off. I'm, I'm zooming off to the Father. Uh, stay here. And the way that the world will receive my love and my power and my blessing will be through you and all those who will continue to follow you, Avengers. And so we see that these gifts have been given to the church. The great mystery, as Ephesians says, and you hear me say it, that you are God's workmanship, his poema, his creation, his artwork, his piece of poetry that has been specifically created with unique talents and abilities in order to bless the people around you. Did you wake up thinking like that this morning? It means there are plans, there are places 
for which God has specifically ordained your gifts and your talents and the way that he has created you in order to bless the world around you. And so part of the challenge is that when you get into the church and you talk about spiritual gifts over the years, um, people get themselves caught up in all sorts of things about spiritual gifts. And there's certain flashy gifts. You hear people talking about speaking in tongues, um, gifts that can freak people out. Um, gifts that can be weird. There are ch- I've been to churches where you literally go to the church and if you don't have a particular gift or you don't speak in tongues then somehow you don't have enough faith. You know, that, that, or you've been as part of a service and that, that we're just going to wait here in the room until God bestows that particular gift upon you. And, and yet we see that, that really as Paul is getting at here is that, that there is something deeper going on with these gifts. There's someone underneath all of these gifts, that these gifts have been given to build up the body and, and that they're there in order to bless the body of Christ, the church. And yet people are getting so caught up of, oh, who's got the snazzy stuff? I don't have one. You know, I'm not sure. You know, the interesting thing for me as a pastor is this. You know, I've never had anyone come up to me and say, Sam, I'm feeling really forlorn and I've been praying desperately, but God just won't give me the gift of generosity. That's a spiritual gift. You can go and look that up. There are many people that the church is blessed with that have the, bless, the blessing of not only giving their money away but making money well. But I, I don't know. I don't know if you found that. No one's, no, no one's ever come up to me to ask for that yet. <laughs> but there are all these wonderful gifts and people can get so caught up in it. It's a bit like uh, when uh, my brothers and sisters used to come home from a party I don't know, parents, if you've seen this with it being Mother's Day, when your kids come home from a party and one child gets a lolly bag and you've got two other children, uh, just the way that all hell breaks loose in the back of the car, that they, they want a lolly and they want a piece of that and I want that. And like it got to the point where Kristen and I almost have to try and anticipate the lolly bag scenarios and buy our own strawberries and cream in the glove box in order to just mitigate a fight, right? <laughs> And they get, they get so caught up, as it got bananas, as it got strawberries and cream? I want this one. And, and it's almost like you'd say to them, whose party did they go to? I don't know. We're just trying to work this out. <laughs> I think Christians can be like that. They're so caught up in the spiritual gifts, so caught up in the lolly bag, that you're so caught up in the gifts that you forget about the giver of the gifts. Now, specifically, what are these gifts we see from this passage to... The one who is given through the Spirit, wisdom, another message of knowledge. And so we hear 1 Corinthians 12 gives us 9. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretations. But, you know, there's about five different catalogues of the spiritual gifts throughout the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4 verse 10. Ephesians 4.11 gives us at least five. So you say, which is it? Is it nine? Is it five? Is it three? Is it 12? You know, the commentators say that there's about 21 different spiritual gifts that are listed throughout the New Testament. And some are really flashy and some are really downright ordinary. Which is it? Which is Paul saying here? Is it this? Is it that? Is that? You know what Paul's doing? Red, yellow and pink and green, purple and orange and blue. You know that song? I can sing a rainbow. (laughs) You know, whenever you uh, shine a light into a diamond, it refracts it out into its wondrous separate multiple colours. And so whenever we see the gifts 
listed here. We're merely looking at the beautiful picture that it makes on the wall when the light is shone through the diamond that is the body of Christ. And Paul is trying to take us back to say, stop staring at the beautiful pattern on the wall and come back and look at the one who is the source of all of this. Different kind of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes them, he says. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord, the different kinds of working, but all of them, it's all God at work. It's God at work here. So don't get caught up on what pattern you are on the side of the wall, is saying Paul. All of this spectrum of gift is the wonderful way that God does this. And when you want to look at what gifts are, you look at the different phases or stages of gifts that are outlined here. You have you know, the first phrase, gifts. You then have the second phrase, service. And then you have third phrase, workings, empowering. See that in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, the same spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them are the same God at work. Gifts, service, working. And so, in other words, we can see here from the big picture that Paul says a spiritual gift is an ability a talent, a working to meet a need, service for the common good. An ability to meet a need, service for the common good. That's what a spiritual gift is. And whatever he gives you, well, that's going to be part of that big picture. And so I think when that phrase common good is vital for us because I think common good is becoming more and more difficult, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> uh, here's what I mean by this. I think it's, it's been quite disorienting for a number of Christians that love to use their spiritual gifts, uh, having gone through the past couple of years and seeing the huge transition in the church. The practical level, I know of so many people who found great joy of a morning preparing uh, the morning teas that we would have out there in the foyer. And we've had two years of people that couldn't use their gift of hospitality in that way. People who have these wonderful gifts of wisdom and these micro moments that we talk about in the church where they are the sort of people that I see in our church that just relish and secretly pray behind the scenes that they might intersect with someone and bestow on them an encouraging word for the morning prophecy. That in the, the great shaking that's happened within the church over the past few years, it, that one of the difficulties in that, uh, in the first place, is it's been terribly disorienting with people and they've found almost like a hole in their Christian life where they haven't been able to express their gifts in the way that they would, they would want. On the other side, the more concerning one is that McCrindle Research says that it's possible we could be seeing 20 to 30% of people who are going to church before the pandemic are not coming back. And that's even trickier because if we see this, if spiritual gifts are an, an, an ability to meet a need for the common good, it's quite difficult to do that as a Lone Ranger Christian. If you're watching online, I always know that the exhortation, one of the great blessings of watching this service online is that so many of you are more engaged with church now than you were before we had the online service. But at the same time, the great risk is that it's very difficult to utter the words of wisdom through the YouTube channel. It's very difficult to express the gift of hospitality through the YouTube channel. Of course, you know, some of you are going, oh, classic pastor stitch up. <laughs> classic stitch up, get everyone back to church. But it's true. <laughs> right? Can I get an amen? I, we can't get around it. It's true and it's beautiful. 
What I love is the beauty and the richness of the way, and those of you, part of my SuperConnect crew, and you can hang out with us on Monday night, that's why we do SuperConnect, you just come along and see the way that you get to know God better, the way that you get insights into his scriptures, the way that you are encouraged, the way that you are inspired to move on, not because you were diligent in reading what you were doing here, but because red, yellow, and pink, and green, and purple, and orange, and blue, these beautiful, diverse, wonderful people that I look around at and say, there is no way that I would be hanging out with you right now if it weren't for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the very definition of a healthy church. <laughs> but these beautiful gifts that come together in order to show God to us in all of his richness, and that's what he's doing through us. So there's the challenge for the common good. Now, opportunistically, we can start looking at ways that we might be able to deliver the words of wisdom and to offer the gifts of hospitality in this hybrid model of church. And that is a great opportunity that's ahead of us. But I think it's something that we need to be thinking about strategically. But some of you now might be going, okay, well, Sam, I, I get all that, but how do, I, how do I know what spiritual gift I have? You know? You might be that person that's alone this morning saying, oh, I feel really lonely. You guys are the ones, you know, I saw that person in my peripheral vision in worship and they had their hands in the air and they feel way more spiritual than me this morning. Uh, how do I know if I've got a spiritual gift? And, you know, I, I think mine's just, mine's just serving people and that's not as flashy as what you were doing, Sam. But that's not the point. The point I've got for you this morning is, first of all, if you're obsessed about spiritual gifts, Why? <laughs> And, and let me put it this way. If you're obsessed with spiritual gifts, is it because you love the church and you just desire to be a better avenger? <laughs> Are you obsessed with the gifts because you've woken up this morning and said, Lord, you know, please, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, but I know that you have to be putting someone in my path in order to bless today, and I'm not sure how I can do it most effectively. So what have you given me to do? do you, have you woken up like that? How, how do you find your spiritual gifts? Because we'll talk about that next week. But if it's not motivated in love, then you're probably not after the gifts for the right reasons. How do you know what you have? Well, you can do surveys. You can go online. You can work that through. There's all sorts of spiritual gift surveys that you can do. You just type it into the internet and look it up. You can do that. I won't give that, you that this morning. I'll give you three practical things that you can do to discover your spiritual gifts. Here's the first one. You just serve. Just serve. Serve people. Um, you serve people and, you, and you find that through that suddenly, maybe you're the sort of person that thinks, I've got the gift of hospitality and you go to serve and you're the one that drives the hospitality coordinator crazy because whilst you should be putting everything out and getting it all ready together, you're the person that's always talking to everyone else about their problems over in the corner and you're not actually putting the morning tea out, you're just talking to everyone else, maybe through that service you discover that your gift is not necessarily of hospitality but of prophecy and of encouragement. You just serve. You just serve. Uh, maybe, maybe more importantly, you serve in areas that you don't think that you want to serve in. You say, I'm not into homeless ministry. Maybe you ought to try it. <laughs> I'm not into sharing my faith with people. I'm not an evangelist. Maybe you should try it. I call this gift cop-out. By the way, I definitely know mine's not the gift of generosity, you know? <laughs> right? You know, that's, that's always... You know that with gift cop-out, it's always someone else's gift? Just try it. <laughs> I'm not into counselling people. I don't like listening to people. Maybe you should try it. I don't know how to lead. I could never lead a small group. Maybe you should try it. You just serve. 
You do as many things as possible to serve it. In the process, you begin to see what you gravitate towards to and what you're good at, which leads me to my second one, is that you find, and some of you have heard me say this, it's I always love a great Venn diagram. I've heard people repeat this back to me. It's part of our DNA. If you don't know what to do, you find the conjunction of affinity, ability, and opportunity. Affinity, ability, and opportunity. Affinity, what would... What do you love to do? If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, what do you love to do? I'm looking at Liz smiling down there. Like Liz just loves to serve people on coffee. I loved her Northside story and her testimony where she said, you know, I get more out of giving out to people than I do if I just stayed at home. Now, Beck this morning has baked us six cakes for morning tea all day yesterday so we can have a nice Mother's Day morning tea. She has the most amazing gift of hospitality. And so she loves to do that. I didn't wake up yesterday thinking I'll bake six cakes. (laughs) I did think yesterday, jumping out of bed, how can I describe the unique way that these spiritual gifts work and it's kind of like red, yellow, pink and blue. Like, see how that stuff works. That's my gift. Beck's gift is cakes. My gift is dad jokes. (laughs) You just try it. Affinity, what would get you out of bed of a morning? Ability, do you do this nine to ten times better than the other person? Now, it's not meant to be competitive, but really, it is that moment that if you're in a mature community and uh, you think that you've got the gift of hospitality and uh, you burn every single cake that you've got and uh, you just can't handle being around people when they get to your house, a mature community might get their arm around you and say, hey, brother, sister, I don't think this is your spiritual gift. Okay? Uh, affinity, what jumps you out of bed? Ability, wow, you're amazing at that. I can't believe the way, that the, how did you think of that? Wow, that word is absolutely spot on. Uh, the body, the common good, will show you what that is. An opportunity, is God at work here in this? Is there something happening? Is there a God intersection with all of this? And I, I think the flip side of that coin is when you, you see people, often you'll see people where they're really passionate, they love something, they're really gifted at it. They might come to the pastor and say, hey, I I just think the church should do this ministry. And they try all they can for six months and nothing gets off the ground. And they think it's the church's fault or it's the pastor's fault or that no one cares about all the things that I'm passionate about. No, maybe there's just not a God opportunity happening in that at that time. On the other hand, you might have an idea and suddenly, bang, before you know it, two, three, four, five people are around you. I love that. It's incredible. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's work it through. And I've seen many a ministry over the years work itself through that way. So the conjunction of affinity, ability, opportunity. Third one, and then we'll finish up this morning. And I think this is the most important one. Don't confuse your gifts with God's grace. Don't confuse your gifts with God's grace. How do you know what they are? Spiritual gifts are what you do. Spiritual fruit is who you are. I'll say that again. Spiritual gifts are what you do. Spiritual fruit is who you are. And see, all of us have different gifts that are not the same, but all of us are supposed to display spiritual fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But you can be fooled by your gifts. You can be very outward-focused and very snazzy. And as difficult as pastors, we're a classic where you, you just... You, 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 can, you can drive church off the basis of this gift that is happening here and be absolutely dead on the inside when it comes to your relationship with God. You can serve furiously in all areas of the church, in hospitality and whatever it might be, or counselling people and be dead on the inside 
as far as God's concerned. You can be hyped up with all sorts of activity and doing amazing things that Kieran read about in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the next one, ironically, because case study and doing all sorts of things for God to be hyped up and not be about love, and there's nothing on the inside with God. Jesus himself said, all of those that come to me, and don't, don't say all those that prophesy my name and said, Lord, did we not cast out demons? And did we not do all this stuff for you? What does he say? Get away from me, you evildoers, for I never knew you. We're all supposed to be displaying the fruit, the spiritual fruit. And then at the same time, that is the baseline for our usage of the gifts. Because a gift, a spiritual gift without the fruit is like a tire without air. You can run it and you can push it hard enough and it'll work. But eventually it'll come crashing. Paul says, but in fact, God has placed these parts of the body, every one of them together, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. All I want to ask you this morning is this. Do you believe that God has led you to this point in history to utilise all he has given you and your talents and his ability for his purposes? Do you want to live a big life? Be an Avenger. (laughs) Live big. C.S. Lewis says we've got to repent of our small ambitions. We don't lose the sense that we are to live beyond ourselves. And that is the very thing that makes us Christians as we come to recognise the forgiveness of our sins and, and the bestowment upon us of eternal life and this resurrection power which is working within us. Then part of it is that it's not meant to be wrapped up and kept up for all of us. The reason why we want to go back to these things, more importantly, to say if you are the sort of person that's behind the scenes or think that you're not important or think that you, you could never possibly do something out the front, I want to say to you this morning as part of the body of believers, you are way more than just a helpful addition. You are indispensable. Every person that puts everything from our communion cups together to the guys that are working all the technical stuff out here, to the people that are leading our groups throughout the week, to the pastoral carers who are making the phone calls to make sure that everyone else is doing, all of this is the indispensable ways that God is bringing together the body for common good. And your choice this morning is to see, well, what part am I playing in that? And the way that you can work that out in the kingdom, whether you're part of this body of Christ or another one, if you're visiting us this morning, is that if everyone used their gifts the way that you are using your gifts, would our church, meaning the church of Jesus Christ in New South Wales and Australia, would it be advancing, retreating or staying the same? Because your part is just as important as mine as real estate agents, as salespeople, as waitresses, as baristas, teachers, dietitians, therapists, students, parents, you are all a vital part of the body of the Christ. And God has given you these talents and these places and spaces where he has put you. If you're a teacher, in what ways are you using your gifts to bless those around you? If you're a business person, what way are you using your gifts to bless those around you? If you are a stay-at-home parent, in what ways and no better way this morning to thank the great avengers in our life, our mothers and our women who embody everything that we've talked about this morning. 
every part of their gifts and their being and their talent and ability to bless those around you. We're part of a much bigger story. Maybe this morning it's an opportunity after all this upheaval in the church to recognise that we need to come back to these ways in which the body builds itself up and we need to discover these new, creative, online, hybrid, interlinked ways in order to manifest, express and bless people with our gifts because we are the original Avengers. (laughs) And most importantly, there are hands only you can hold. There are conversations only you can have. There are beds only you can visit. There are words of comfort that only you can offer. There's learnt wisdom that only you have. May that sit with you now as we stop to reflect and come to the table, to come to communion, to recognise that all of this has been given by him to us in order to flourish the world around us. And in so doing, as we take the bread and the cup of communion this morning, we're wrapped up and taken up into that bigger story to recognise that the way that God will express his love and his power in the world today is through you. And of course, that's what we thought when we hopped in the car this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the way that you have blessed us with every part of who we are. And for those at the end of the spectrum that feel like they don't have anything to offer, I pray that prayer of indispensability over them this morning, Lord. May they know and see that in the smallest of small, it's important. For those of us, Lord, who have not given these gifts that you have given us the attention that it's due and worthy of. I pray that in these coming weeks would be an opportunity for us to spend time with you and your Holy Spirit and to rediscover the way that you have created us for purpose. Father, most of all, I thank you for the intricate and the beautiful and the dynamic ways in which the giftedness of this precious community that is Northside Church works for the common good of one another. And so I thank you for every unseen phone call. I thank you for every unseen word of wisdom. I thank you for every little moment of ministry that is ultimately the corporate expression of the individual gifts that we've been talking about today. And so may we realise that, may we be more aware of that this morning as we leave this place. Not only of the biggest story that we are a part of, but the part that we are all to play. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take communion now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, um, you don't need to do this. You can just hang in.